Welcome to the Race to Rugby World Cup pod with Ron and Adam from the side of the road, somewhere on the planet. Race to Rugby World Cup pod. We're sitting in, according to the video, sunny Wellington, but it's windy Wellington. It is the lowest big city on the North Island of New Zealand. And uh, we're about to fill you in for our trip between Fiji and Sydney, essentially. And that's crossing the back end of Queensland and into New South Wales. Yeah, and I must say how lucky. We're actually sitting here specifically in Frank Kitts Park. On the Google Maps it says temporary closed, but we can tell you it's quite the opposite. Who's Frank Kitts? Do we know? No, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say he's like some famous rugby player I should know of. Um, but we are Wellington. We've been here for three days and it's at first I was like, what a dump. Because uh, <laughs> it was swirling with rain and it was just wet and miserable and yeah, just one of those like cities that everyone says, no, this is normal. But apparently we've got one out of 60 clear days a year and that's where we're recording now. It's a, bit of, yeah, it's a public holiday today, the Queen's birthday, Memorial. Queen's Memorial Day. And I know there's a big service that just happened at the cathedral up the road. Yeah. And people were supposed to be well, well, out and about for it. So, I walked uh, past there. They were doing, it was in the Catholic church. I, yeah. It was the big church. Hey? The cathedral. The cathedral, yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool. But we're going to take you back to day 157, Friday. No, it wasn't Friday. It was a Tuesday, 17th of August. And uh, we embarked on a journey to one of the South Pacific Islands, Fiji. And it was, yeah, it was a flight from Brisbane to Nadi via, via Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd obviously never been there. I'd never been to Australia. So Ron, you've never been there? No, it was, very, uh, it was one of the countries on this journey I was looking forward to most visiting, that and East Timor being new countries, and uh, I'll go, we'll go through it now, but my goodness, didn't it over-deliver. It was phenomenal. Uh, it was, was going to be, we always knew it was going to be a short stint, like, what, a week or so? Six or seven days, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we landed straight into Nadi or Nandi, um, you know, we not run, Nadi. yeah, not, we <laughs> butcher pronunciations on this trip, but everyone forgives us because our brains change borders multiple times. And we went to the more tourist section. We were hooked up by Club Wyndham. And we went to Danau. Danau? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, Daral, I'll just leave, leave it with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the island where all of the resorts um, are situated. And so it was quite nice, you know, like flying, feeling very touristy. We left our bikes in Brisbane. Yeah. And yeah, we rented a car and cruised into this resort. It had like 500 swimming pools, a nice warm welcome. Um, I think we arrived yeah. late in the evening, but yeah, and actually stopped off at a little um, Indian-style cafe for dinner on the way in, and uh, we had some curry there, which I think set the tone for mango chicken curry. It was yeah, delicious. It was delicious. It yeah. was actually one of my top meals of this whole trip, and dare I say that because it's really hard to, yeah. but it re it's a memorable meal. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we we just did have a little bit of our economies of scale and worked out what the price range is, and we usually do that. Not with the Big Mac index, but with the beer index. <laughs> um, so we, we, we got, got some Fiji bitters and uh, yeah, we kicked off our uh, non-cycling leg of the trip. Um, so yeah, at Club Wyndham, we had two days there, two nights there. Uh, the first day we just got really went tourist. I, I took a kayak around some of the islands and mangrove. We were like in these tiki bar, swimming pools. Uh, we, do you no. know what I realized? We didn't get our massage. You got a complimentary massage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we fifty foot, fifty minute foot massage. Yeah, we forgot to uh, get a, a massage, but that's the sort of vibe we were going for for the first two days before we were going to take our vehicle and cruise across the main island to Suva. Uh, yeah, I think we just need to also, uh, yeah, just in that little Nadi, which is the sort of the main, uh, as, as you say, it's the center of the sort of the main resorts and things, and the, the big international airport. And uh, I took the car in, into town to go and get a few bits and pieces, I think, while you were kayaking and that. And that, for me, was straight away, within a few hours of being there, just realized how mad and religious fervor that people treat rugby with um, in Fiji. Yeah. And dri driving past a little girls' school, well, big school, but with the girls playing on the field, pretty rough and ready. Um, but the passion that they were playing with, uh, you can just see where this sort of um, yeah, people talk about Fiji being in their blood and their genes, and you can see these little six and seven and eight-year-old girls running around a very field, um, and you can see where it comes from. It's just absolutely awesome. It's actually almost dangerous how much they love rugby because <laughs> their their brains just can't. It just goes into overdrive when anything rugby-related comes across their table. So I actually remember we had breakfast at the resort, and our waiter 
when we said we're from South Africa, almost, well, he wasn't yeah. eating anything, but it looked like he almost choked. <laughs> right? And he just, he like whispered the word Springboks um, in excitement. So yeah, you're right. Like, I started rattling off the names of our team and yeah. telling us who was playing, <laughs> players we'd never heard of. But I think it was also just before we carry on, or probably also important to put into context why Fiji was important to, for us to visit. Um, obviously a country which is represented in both Rugby World Cup 2021 and 2023, um, but also um, uh, Child Fund Rugby have a partnership program there where they yeah. do a lot of work um, in the communities in, in Oceania. A lot of the fundraising that we're doing for this journey um, and the fundraising that comes out of their partnership with Rugby World Cup will go back into these communities in Fiji and other, and other Pacific Island nations. Yeah, and it's, it just it adds a little bit of... When we do these talks and we speak about Child Fund Rugby, it's a lot easier to explain it when you see it on the ground. Yeah. You don't even necessarily have to visit the program, but just to see people's faces and understand how Fiji works and and who's like in and around the city. So it, it really was um, eye-opening. And, you know, like we, we would be the best people to speak about Africa because we're from Africa and we've been to Africa. Uh, we would be not the best spokespeople for Fiji until we get yeah. there. And we did get there. So it's, yeah, really cool. Um, and we saw, you know, the wealthy resort style side of where we were and then we you know cruised across the island we went around the top what are the southern coast basically? southern coast yeah. yes and we went to suva um and the main mission on day that day was to visit dhl yeah. um, which was one of the most interesting dhl visits <laughs> uh they really went you know on all they took out all yeah. the lite who looks after comms and marketing there uh yeah went all out eh? and to yeah. give us a traditional fijian welcome yeah. Um, with a carver. Um, lots of carver. Lots of carver, lots of delicious snacks. And just a really, it was a Friday afternoon, I think. Um, a lot of excitement in the air with, but for an event that was coming up in, in, in Suva that weekend, which we'll talk about just now. Um, but really, you know, as I say, Lite really, really went um, beyond expectations, I think. And uh, it's amazing eh? just how, you know, we just think our story is cool that we're doing this big trip, but the excitement that people show for it is, it's, it's really, really cool. It's, you know, it was actually kind of like we, we often take it for granted like when we do those selfies and like people treat us like celebrities. These people were just so excited to meet us and they've yeah. obviously seen us on newsletters and billboards and I think they really appreciated that we actually walked into the office. Yeah. So it was a, it was a cool um, experience. Yeah, great team there. Yeah, and good energy. Fijians all around though. It's not yeah. just DHL, but uh, everyone there was just full of good energy. And talking about a good energy, we then made our way to the boat club where we met Doc. Um, and well, we at that point, just Doc. Um, and that started a relationship that I think will go on for a lifetime. Hopefully we can convince Doc and his family to have a small visit to South Africa one day if, if all things go right. Um, but yeah, what an incredible man. How did we get to meet Doc? Yeah, so um, David Burrow is an old school friend of mine. He was my scrum off for many, many years uh, at my junior primary and high school in Westville outside of Durban. Um, I've probably seen him once in school. Um, so we reconnected through the walkers at a, at a barbecue bry in Brisbane. Um, and he asked us as a favor going to Fiji um, to take some clothes and old kids' toys and things that were sort of, you know, typical in the West. We sort of accumulate all the stuff and he's got two young kids which have grown out of all this stuff. And he proceeded to tell us a story about... Um, Elitia de la Sawa, Dr. Elitia de la Sawa. Yeah. Um, and David is a radiologist in Brisbane, he was in Melbourne for many, many years. Um, and he does some pro bono work, sort of analyzing the, the x rays and the MMR or the, whatever the scans are that come from Fiji. Um, and as long as they photograph well or the, the scans done well in Fiji, he can help interpret the, the data. So that's part of his pro, pro bono and giving back. And he's never actually met Doc. But they've, they've, got this, they've got this relationship from over WhatsApp and telephone and professional relationship. And obviously it's grown. There's a great fondness between the guys. Um, and David, yeah, we sent this sort of 30 kilogram bag of stuff with us. So, yeah, we had this commitment to go and see Doc. And uh, we really weren't really sure what to expect, I guess. But my goodness, it turned into a whirlwind 48 hours. Yeah, it went straight from handing over the bag to getting into his vehicle and going to the Buller Lounge <laughs> um, and meeting all of his other doctor friends yeah. that all just clocked off for the evening. So how we understand it, like... I guess you can quote us because this is from their mouth, yeah. but like there's about five um, professional, well, five um, expert surgeons. Yeah, with certain specialists. Specialists yeah. in Fiji. You know, one for the stomach, one for the heart, one for the brain. You know, however, 
it's you know we're not I'm not a medical expert, but yeah. there are five of them, and they all are the only people that you know are Fijians and living in Fiji that you can so go I think that to. Just, so that's just in the Arding being picked up after the memorial service. Um, so that's you know you can you can kind of imagine how busy they must be with only five experts yeah. in in the mainland. You know, obviously there are like expat doctors that fly in and out of Australia or, or Singapore that once in a, in a while, but these are the most local and residential doctors It's pretty there. inspiring really because all of these guys have studied overseas, all these doctors have studied overseas, and they would have all, and, and Doc himself, he worked for many years in New Zealand and Australia, and the easy option for him would have been to stay there, earn hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as a specialist in Brisbane or Melbourne or Auckland. Um, but and we learned a little bit of insight into how the, the communities work there, and his family is very, um, well, you know, his, his his brother is a chief of the local tribe, um, and he's kind of expected to go back um, to represent the, you know, to help help his community. And um, again, the easy option would have been to say, you know, I'm sorry, I've, I found a new life, but um, these guys have all chosen to come back and contribute um, to their communities, and it's pretty inspiring. Yeah, it was very inspiring. Uh, really cool story. What a great family, and they they basically without our. Um, like we, we had no option really. Uh, we had to end up hanging out with them for the weekend. And so the next day we had another commitment, which funny enough, Chief, Doc's brother, was involved in. We visited the Rawaka Rugby Club. Correct. And uh, you know, unfortunately there weren't a lot of um, kids turn out and we'll explain why, but it was really, really inspiring to, to go to this. It was quite a beautiful field if you yeah. ask me, but it, it was in like the worse part of Fiji in terms of crime and poverty and you know half the kids had boots half didn't but the kids went and played hard yeah. you know they had rugby poles made out of bamboo sticks and pine tree pine trees and so on um, but yeah we got to go and visit them and, and this is one of the most amazing. historic clubs in the country produced many 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 female and male players for sevens and fifteens and yet it's so modest you know if you imagine yeah. like the Harlequins in the UK or the Sharks or the Bulls in South Africa and you look at this little club with, you know, surrounded by a sort of sugarcane with literally the ball, spend half the game getting the ball out of the sugarcane and the, and the fields next door. Um, and it's crazy to think it's produced so many incredible players. But that is genuine, genuine grassroots rugby um, that is, yeah, just bred the, and just imagine with a bit more resource, it'd be quite scary what Fiji could do. Yeah. So the grassroots rugby in Fiji, what I kind of identified is it's taken quite seriously. Like you don't just rock up to your Saturday fixture and hang around. You actually go there you tackle hard, you pass hard, you run the drills hard. The uh, unfortunate thing is they don't have resources, like they have second-hand balls and, and cut-up cones and whatever. So, you know, that's important that the first world rugby community realizes this and just maybe helps out and pumps in some money into the Fijian rugby system. Because, well, actually, Keep if they do, yeah, <laughs> we'll end up losing every game because once these people have that infrastructure in place, I think they'll become unbeatable. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the reason they weren't so few kids is on that specific weekend they have this annual athletics meet which hadn't happened for three years because of COVID where they have 130 schools 2,300 athletes all come into this one stadium the HFC Bank Stadium and compete in a four-day athletics event but it doesn't mean just the athletes are rocking up there it's the whole country yeah this is literally the, the sporting event that brings the country to a standstill every year it's almost like the Melbourne Cup in Australia um, or perhaps the sort of the uh, you know, you've got the state of origin final in, in Australia or whatever whatever country you're in. This really is the pinnacle out of the, of the sporting career, of the sporting calendar outside of rugby. Um, and the HFC Stadium is the biggest in the country and it's impossible to get tickets. Yep. Every we single old boy, old girl, you, that's the weekend. You can't get a hotel room, a hostel room, uh, a backpacker's room. Everything is just blocked out and booked out in Suva and it certainly is a, a social event to say the least. It was unbelievable and yeah, like Ron said, they use it as a reunion weekend. So all those 130 plus high schools, they gather in Suva, they come from all the different islands, all the different um, areas of the mainland and they, they make their way to Suva and they set up these little isolated uh, reunions. I actually ended up at an all-girls, the St. Joseph all-girls reunion. There were three males that attended. Um, and I think we were welcomed in. I, I, don't, I didn't feel like I got chased away, but it's just... <laughs> Quite the opposite from what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was just one of those like events. And then, you know, you bounce from that reunion to another reunion to another reunion and everyone's just so happy. They're catching up with each other. And it's like, like Ron was mentioning, it's inspiring that everyone comes back. You do meet 
um, different men and women that you know have gone to Canada and to Europe to study or work, and then they've all come back to do their I wouldn't say do their time, but you know, give yeah. back to the community. Go back to um, the roots. So they're highly educated people, very qualified. They've gone to these schools in in Western world. You'd say like these schools are a bit, um, I don't know, dilapidated or is that a correct word? Like broken down. Wait, in Fiji. Yeah, but they were beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, from the outside, you know, some of the walls weren't painted well or whatever. But when you peer into the classrooms and stuff, the kids r really take their schooling seriously and. It's a good education system, in, in, my, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, it was a good, good to engage with all of the different alumni from different schools over that weekend. And, uh, it's something. basically just the biggest Derby Day weekend you can imagine, but all the Derby Days are taking place in the same place. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And yeah. uh, I think we'll always remember that. Lots of Fiji bitter, lots of kava, lots of good banter. QVS. QVS was the school we took yeah. under. We got the shirt. We it actually took us under their wings. Yeah. Took, we went and bought the QVS Old Boys shirt. So <laughs> it's quite cool. But day 161, we made our way back to Nadi, Nandi, Nadi. Nadi. <laughs> um, and another like crazy story uh, the Valentis, who are from Pretoria, and in particular Alessio Valenti, reached out through our social media uh, and the help with Kath. They've recently immigrated to Fiji, out of all, from Pretoria to Fiji, and offered to host us for two nights on their beautiful property. It's a bit of like an expat package, you know, like a room flow swimming pool overlooking the beautiful mountains on the beach. Um, and yeah, we got hosted by the Valentis. And so went from luxury to, I wouldn't say not luxury, but you know, Basic. we were in like an eco-lodge hostel. hostel, back to luxury. Um, to but I think also just explain how you, how the connection. With Alessio, so we yeah, so, were school together. So Alessio was my grade eight. So when I was in matric year twelve, he was in year eight. Um, I, I, we were thousand five hundred boys in the school, so you don't really get to know everyone, but you'll always remember the name. And yeah, when I when I got connected, it was kind of like, oh, the Valentis. I was like, I definitely know them. I just can't put a face no. to the name, and it was quite. And I, these sort of things are really inspiring because he, it's like when he when he came and meet up, met up. It was like it's like how's it brilliant. Yeah. It was like we were friends for the last ten years. So super, super cool. And it's just crazy to think that yeah, as a Pretoria boys high boy living in the corner of Fiji yeah. and uh, making a life for himself. Making a life for himself. Yeah, he's he's now fish fishing charter owner. Fish yeah, yeah he owns a fishing charter. He's yeah. bought himself a boat and uh, Yeah, him and Tony take people out, tourists out fishing and what a life. Like yeah. You know, Pretoria is obviously not known for its coastal fishing <laughs> expertise. So he's really transformed himself. And uh, we got the privilege of going out for one of the but, days. But it is one of those dreams that people talk about. I want to go become a scuba diving instructor in Bora Bora. I want to go and be a ski instructor in, in the Alps or something. and Or fishing instructor yeah. or fishing, run a fishing charter in Fiji, in the South Pacific. And he's literally doing it. Yeah, he, I don't think he's actually realized that he's living yeah. the dream. Like, you know, obviously Ron and I, we live in the dream. But... You look at him and like, dude, you know what? You know where you are, you know. And we like, we he took us out for half a day, and he like cruise. He's like, oh, that's the guy who owns, owns Google. He owns those islands, and he's like, oh, that's where they shoot Survivor. Oh, this is where that happened. Oh, that's the super yacht. And you're like, what? He's like, yeah, we fish here. This is the, the Cloud Nine break. It's a famous surf break, and that's his daily. Yeah, I'm just gonna go and see these like bucket list items that people travel around the world to come and see. So very cool. It's a bit like us. We need to remind ourselves how lucky we are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was a, you couldn't, you know, like how we did it, you couldn't really ask for a better way to experience Fiji. Yeah. You know, we, we were looked after really well. We did things that I guess were out of the norm. Like yeah. I don't think people usually go to that at Lakes Meet. And so we couldn't have done, we couldn't have squeezed more into six days. Honestly, no. the, and the variety of experiences from the local to the sort of touristy and everything in between was pretty class. Eh? It was very class. And actually, yeah, flying back, you kind of, I ended, I ended up having a bit of sniffles and I was a bit down because I just, <laughs> we try to pack in so much. You like basically go for six days to like relax, but we end up sleeping for one hour the whole six days. <laughs> just having such a good time. Um, but yeah, talking about back, we flew back into Brisbane yep. and it was time to get back on the bicycle after a long, long time off. Um, and yeah, we, we packed up our bikes and we headed towards, I guess, goal one was Ballina. We, we, we just, uh, yeah, we sort of talked for Lofty and them at Asenko. Well, we came back for that. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 But after we, after we, oh, okay. Sorry. Let's yeah. Get all the right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So we, we, our first goal was to reach Ballina, and uh, I must say, Brisbane out to Ballina was my favorite leg, one of my favorite legs of this whole journey. I say that quite a lot, but it really was. So from Brisbane to, along to the Gold Coast, at least we stayed at on night one, Kerra Beach. We we cycled with James, your mate. Yeah. So I haven't seen James. He was actually the, my head boy at school at Westfall um, in 1992. And we were trying to work out if we'd actually seen each other since school. I think maybe we had one or two conversations 20 years ago or 25 years ago. Um, but absolutely incredible. With 12 hours notice, um, he's an uh, anaesthetist uh, on the Gold Coast, the hospital there. Uh, cleared his diary um, and met us down on, on the Gold Coast and joined us for the last sort of 30 Ks. Yeah. Um, Going from basically surf club to surf club to surf club, surfing the something the local beers. Yeah, um, what a legend! But it's just so amazing. Yeah, that I haven't seen him in 30 years, and yet the conversation and you've said the same thing. It just it's as if you it's as if it was yeah. yesterday. Yeah, it's, um, and just great to yeah just to hear how laughs you know how, how he's taken laugh made a laugh for himself in, in Australia and uh, the time that he spent in in Canada and you know his wife and his children and all that sort of thing and. Uh, yeah, wonderful time and really, really good memories. Yeah, he lives in a magical part of the world. So we, we left Brisbane and we went through these forests, which even Sam Walker yeah. didn't really know much about, which is quite cool because it's always nice telling people that live in a town of cool and things in, fact, in their he, town. And typical, like so often happens, people go, oh, you must be careful of the traffic. It's not going to be It's not going to be great. It's not going to be great. And yet we went through Tui Forest. I'm just looking at it here, uh, which is probably 15 Ks of these dedicated cycle paths through the forest, just on the doorstep on the on this outskirts um, of Brisbane. Yeah. Um, before we hit that uh, sort of the cycle path that runs next to the motorway, which is still pretty cool. It was I mean, unbelievable. You can see all the people sitting in their cars on the way in, yeah. into work and we sort of um, just sort of shaking our head in, uh, in sympathy yeah. as we were sort of cruising down. This and it's cool, as you path. leave the forest, it's a 55 kilometer cycle route all the way to the Gold Coast. Yeah. So that night, that first night after we picked up James, we went surf club to surf club. We were staying at the Club Wyndham at Kira Beach. Mm. And it was, I just can't explain like, you know, like we've cycled a lot around now yeah. and you cycle around the world. But the the excitement and joy you get for a, a pure, long, long lasting yeah. cycle path yeah. is just always so happy. No. And it was no, 55 kilometers of nonstop cycling. Uh, cycling path, mm -hmm. you know, not worrying about a single car behind or you or in front of you. Or anything like yeah, that. you just cruise along. Yeah, and we made our way to the Gold Coast, which, you know, I guess some people give it a bad rap because it's so touristy and po overpopulated or whatever, but I thought it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we ended up in Kira well, the Beach. The last 30Ks is basically along the beach. Yeah. Which was, was amazing. It was, it was 110K day in total. It was a good day. It wasn't, it wasn't like a hectic wind or anything. It was pretty flat, flat, flattish, and yeah, it was amazing. Got to watch some surfers at Surfers Paradise, so I really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, what a good way to um, almost get towards. It wasn't. We hadn't made our way into New South Wales yet. I think that no, was the next, next day. Next day to Byron Bay. Yeah. yeah. So then the next day, yeah, we got up and um, we did a ride towards Byron Bay. Um, and Tweed, Tweed Heads, that's correct. That's the border. So after about 10Ks day that on day um, day 165, yeah. we crossed from Queensland into New South Wales. And it was cool because also New Tweed – so I'm, this isn't how what it's called. It's only because I saw a real estate sign called <laughs> – what's it? Tweed Heads. Tweed Heads is the town, which yeah, is so the border Yeah, so New town. Tweed Heads Coast. So they're building all of these fancy houses, and I say fancy, they really are. They're on the beach. And then again, there's another cycle path where you literally have the beach on your left and then these like – unbelievably beautiful homes on your right and you just like kind of pedal through um we you know we, we stopped off for a coffee we met we met that i forgot his steve, name i think steve. it was yeah. i think it was foodworks i'm just looking here i think that was the name of the coffee shop yeah something yes and he bought us a sandwich and a coffee and it's just you know he's recently retired and just basically Oh, it wasn't a particularly a rugby man. He was yeah, just, just like just retired and was just, just saw our bikes and wanted a chat basically. Yeah, I just had a chat and that was also cool. And those little surf towns are just remarkable. Like you know, people don't work there. I can tell you that much. Because <laughs> it was like a weekday and everyone's like out and about surfing, walking on the prom and you're like, what's happening here? But anyways, I uh, loved that section. And yeah, we made our way into Byron Bay, which is famous or infamous for various different things. Um, and the one thing is the busking. All of these um, musicians, you know, litter the streets and they just, some are really horrible and some are like unbelievable. Like Xavier Rudd, you know, he kind of 
comes from Byron Bay and there's a whole lot of, you know, busking protégés that, you know, people stumble upon and they're like, they're looping or whatever. They've got their um, guitars and just shredding it up and some sort of person picks them up and makes them a, a celebrity. So, yeah, it was really cool, Byron Bay. I walked, I walked to the one pier where like the famous surf break is. Well, is it famous? I don't know, but it's really cool surf break and there were hundreds of surfers in the water. Um, so a really laid back place, but it's like a fake laid back in my opinion. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, everyone's like trying to be hippies, but I'm like, bro, the real estate show doesn't really... <laughs> Rich hippies. Yeah, it's like, you guys obviously have some sort of money because you can't... <laughs> you well, can't. Yeah, well, I think it's one of those places as well, because I, mean, I remember you were going like, from things you'd heard, you got oh, you were sort of giving a bit of a hot, not a hot. You were just like, yeah, it was, sounds like a rubbish place. It's maybe a bit hyped up, and then you go there, you go, no, that's one of my favorite places. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's, again, it's just this whole thing we've themed the whole trip. You know, everyone warns us about places, so perhaps it's their preconceived idea, perhaps it's our own preconceived idea, and so often we surprised. Though. Most of it comes from horrible memes and like trash yeah. reality TV that gives give these places a bad rep. But yeah, it was it was a very cool place. Um, and we caught it on a great day as well. Yes, we caught it on a good day. Yeah, and then the next day we made our way to Ballina Airport. And the reason for that is um, we had to lock up our bikes, get into a, a rental vehicle from the airport and make our way back to Brisbane to go and inspire the employees of Asenko. Yeah, uh, so this is <laughs> – I'm just going to interrupt you. I think this is just, just so people sort of wonder why did you bother leaving Brisbane, ride for three days, then head back. And the answer is because we had to get to Sydney, which we'll talk about just now, by a specific date, um, for our main fundraising event there. So we uh, and to watch a bit of rugby. Um, so hence the reason we wanted to g g gain a bit of time uh, before this uh, commitment. Um, and we figured out a way, yeah, to rent a rent a car at Bellina Airport. It's a couple of hours drive back to Brisbane. This is now Friday morning um, that yes. we're driving back. Um, and as you say, for Lofty O'Connor, who actually rode with us, if you listen to our previous episode, rode with us. He's one of the four guys, my old mates, that rode into us into Brisbane with us. I've actually done a talk for his team before, um, and they sometimes on Friday afternoons will do something a little bit different. So they they cleared their diaries from sort of three thirty or four, bought pizzas and, and beer for the office, and there was about a seventy five hundred guys there and girls, um, and we just shared some stories from the road. And uh, yeah, it was nice. It seemed to go down quite well, and uh, it was. I think it's. I like to believe anyway. It was an uplifting way for them to end their weekend or end their week before they headed off into the weekend. And um, so the busy Brisbane schedules of kids' sports and walking and exercise. Brisbane's a very busy place. <laughs> it is a busy place. It is a busy place. Yeah. So, anyways, we got our way back to Ballina. Our bikes were still tied to the pole <laughs> in the car rental. This was the area. next, the very next morning. We had to get back. We tried to return the car within 24 hours, yeah. which we just managed to do. And yeah, we we headed on to day 167. It was a Saturday and we actually really wanted to try and watch the Springboks take on the Wallabies. They were playing in Adelaide and uh, we strategically had a spot, I think. So it was called McLean and there was a, we called ahead and there was a TV that was working and we asked if they had the correct channel and the Springboks were playing. The, the person said yes and yeah, we made that our goal and uh, heading into it, I think like the final 30 kilometers were quite beautiful but you kind of just... It's like McLean. It's like, I don't know. I don't want to be rude to the place. It's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's like the in-between yeah. two like um, well-known areas. Like, But yeah, it was, it was, we made our way to McLean. And, uh, straight to the bowling club. Straight to the bowling club. And, you know, I guess as a spring box, you always expect places like that to be packed and fierce and ready to watch the game. I don't think anyone else gave, um, gave any notice to the rugby. We had to ask specifically for the channel to be turned on to the but game. They couldn't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't care about it. And uh, yeah, Ron and I had this whole conference room to ourselves watching the game. Unfortunately, the Springboks got beat and it was, no, no offense to the Wallabies either, but it was the most boring rugby game I had seen for a long time. And uh, we were quite, it was just like, oh. Now, rugby know. Australia is obviously trying to take rugby to different parts of the country. Adelaide is not a well-known rugby part of the of the country very much AFL down there um, but it was pretty good crowd actually considering at yeah, yeah. Adelaide Oval which is a beautiful ground a lot of people out in the sun but um, yeah uh, it, it didn't do it wasn't a great advert for the game of rugby if they were trying to inspire people to go to, to go back and watch the next week yeah no, it's, it's, well, it was a cool bowling club like it was well I say cool it was like the stereotypical pokies lawn bowls in the back pokies yeah. inside Relatively cheap beer, I guess. Um, yeah. and Chicken schnitzel. Yeah, like just the classic old roadhouse. And I think at this point, my 
little sniffles from Fiji and not sleeping enough transferred to you. Um, and then we were we were meant to camp that night, but we found ourselves into this like old ancient like pub slash motel hotel in in the town of McLean, where they had their Saturday night karaoke that went on till about three a.m. Um, it did keep us up, but it was actually hilarious to listen because they were horrific. Yeah. I've never heard such bad singing in my life. And we've heard a lot of bad singing on this trip. Yeah, including myself. Like I'm, <laughs> but they were very passionate, and like the five or six people that live in McLean obviously make it their <laughs> religious um, Saturday night occasion. So <laughs> it was it was like one of those things that pissed you off, but you like I guess this is a, this is what. This is it. This is like pure McLean. Like this is what you get when you come yeah, to McLean. Exactly, exactly. But the next day, day one sixty eight, I actually really loved. We made our way through its Swan Creek, Grafton area. Yeah. Um, our map. We had to do a bit of a detour because the actual road that we tried to reach got washed away by like um, some recent floods. In reaching here. like floods, but it kind of took us into this area, which was just unbelievably beautiful. It like a lot of cows and dairy people and uh, just like open forests and you know there's wallabies and kangaroos hopping around um, yeah just untouched farmlands very quiet I think we had a long day that day it was 122 kilometers Correct, yeah. Um, but yeah uh, the cool thing is like that that area like that's where I saw we saw the second platypus of our journey yeah. still hadn't spotted a koala um, spoiler alert, we didn't spot a koala the whole trip, which is quite sad, but we saw two platypus. And then um, we sort of hit the beach again by like Karindi Beach. Yes. And then just hit the keep the, kept the, the sea on our left again, basically. The yeah. Second half of the day. Second half, yeah. So you go from these like inland, you know, there are a lot of similarities to some parts of South Africa with that. And yeah, it was just a nice little zone out, uh, looking continuously looking up at the trees, looking for koalas um, and just, yeah. Back to the coast, relatively flat. But also, again, just these little towns and people living on the water. And you go, like, if you enjoy your water or beach or combination or fishing, you've got a little bit of money, the number of towns and options that you have along the Queensland and New South Wales coast is yeah. absolutely limitless. You go from, like, I could live here, I could live there, I could live here. Yeah. It's just absolutely incredible. Definitely on the coast. I, I think we, we haven't mentioned the sad part is that not so much the coast, but the rivers inland in Grafton. Yeah. Some of those places are quite sad. They recently in Jan and Feb got smacked by floods and a lot of those houses went underwater and some people just haven't recovered. Yeah. Um, no, it's pretty sad to see. Oh, yeah, man. so you, when we say go underwater, I, like if you're looking to invest, I would maybe recommend the coastline over the rivers, but you know maybe things are changing. Climate change is, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then... We de the 29th of August we went towards a place called Kempsey. Yeah, but also just yeah, that's another evening shout out to um, oh, it's Club, Club Wyndham, Coffs Harbour, Coffs Harbour, another wonderful stayover, hot spa, hot spa. Yeah, that was a quite in, a big in, highlight in the in the swimming pool area. So that was a nice. Uh, well, that was like one of our first hot spas because I must say it actually quite helped my legs. That I don't know. We still have debates. Well, we're not debating. We try and work out. Because we see professionals always get into ice baths, but Ron and I are preferring to get into hot baths. <laughs> but in Japan, it's been a part of their culture for yeah. hundreds of years. And so probably we think thousands in the of hot years, baths so are winners. Um, much more pleasant anyway. Definitely. Um, as like the late winter was disappearing in New South Wales. But yeah, shout out to Club Wyndham. It's been epic. Um, and yeah, we, we made our journey to Kempsey. I think it was a big day again. Uh, also one of those towns I think got hit quite hard by floods and so on. Um, and we camped at that random campsite. Yeah. We camped there next to those like um, chopped up caravans that they were probably renovating to become cabins. I was just actually looking back at my notes here on Strava. It was uh, yeah, 115 kilometers. I put you a streaming cold and and a and a great tailwind. So just about net positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. There we go. And it was cool because we really actually we really wanted to hit Kempsey because the next day we wanted to have a short ride to Port Macquarie. Uh, Macquarie, 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 Macquarie uh, where Club Wyndham was hooking us up again. Absolute legends. Um, but yeah, it was just a nice way to have like a short distance into um, Port Macquarie and, and you know, you could just have a bit of a breather because I guess from like leaving Brisbane to Ballina and then back to Brisbane and then 
from Ballina to Port Macquarie, we were kind of like 100, 100, yeah. 100, 100, 100. And selfishly, um, I also just needed a half a day as well just to try and clear the hair day, which was absolutely... Yeah. Also, like we... I think I just... I'd by then got over the sniffles, but you were also like... Yeah, we had a lot of admin to do and you were also like um, completely blocked up. So did you go to the sauna there? I think the hot so. pool? Yep. I've got, again, I've got a note here. A melancholy, a, a, a melancholy kind of drizzly day. Which is not the most positive feedback. <laughs> it's only 47 guys. So I yeah. think that, that sums up my, my mood at the, on the, at the time. But anyway, did, we got there and it was a... It's a cool town. I did the, the seven-kilometer coastal walk. Yeah. Uh, it's quite historically old. Like there was obviously... No, I didn't really read much town. of the boards. Yeah. Sometimes I get over them. But you can definitely sense there was there's some relevance and historic relevance to that port. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was cool, cool to hang out there and have the comfort of a nice... Uh, Club Wyndham resort styled bed for the evening so that was a great great mm. day and yeah then day uh, 31st of August um, we had a really nice coastal ride it, it turned into where we were kind of like on these bike paths again uh, remember we stumbled upon Lucas the guy from Melbourne he was just packed up his student whatever he was doing and he's he didn't really have an idea of where he was going but he just had a bike packing yeah. moment and he was moving up north and we're going to meet mates in Coffs Harbour. That's right. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed cycling on those cycle trails, if they were cycle trails or walking trails yeah. along the rivers. And then we made our way into that, um, where we saw that walker, that guy's walking around Australia. Wow, I forgot his name now. Uh, yeah, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was called Crowdy Bay National Park. So we went a bit uh, off track yeah. in terms of no tarred roads. But it was really beautiful. I think this was going to be our final chance to spot a koala. We were straining our necks, eh? trying to. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> we, didn't we didn't get crash it. Looking upright all, upright. But it was a beautiful. It was like a 30, 40 kilometer section. Yeah. You know, average speed goes a bit down because you're like on the gravel. But it was really worth it. Uh, it yeah, just not worried about. Co- well, there were a couple cars coming back and forth, but not too many. Ended and, up being 150 kilometer day. And it was a big day. Yeah, it was actually a massive day. 152. Um, and yeah, it was. I, I can't, actually can't remember where we stayed that night. Bullen, uh, it is called the town is called. Um, I think we stayed at a campsite in Bulladella. Oh uh, yes. Um, remember, we went to the first campsite where they advertised seven dollars yeah. camping, and then they said no tents because people drive over people in tents. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know if I bought that, but there's not really anything we could do. The sun had, like you said, it was a big day. We couldn't really argue. Yeah. Went to the next campsite. It said no camping. That got flooded out. Um, so we found, which yeah. I guess a posh campsite. Yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, eventually, yeah, third time lucky. Ended yeah. up being, actually, it ended up being quite nice there. It was very nice. Yeah. yeah, it was a good one. We went and had a pub lunch. Um, I was pretty exhausted that day. Yeah. That was a long day, that. Yeah. Nine, over nine hours in the saddle as well. And it was that rolling hills. Like you yeah. go down for three Ks, which was like, oh, this is amazing. And you end up cycling up this like slow three K and then down and up and down and up. Yeah. Very Sumatra-like. <laughs> um but then 1st of September, spring had started technically, and uh, it was in calendars. We got into Newcastle where we were going to meet Samwise the Brave, Sam Roberts, my mate from the summer camps I met in 2016. Um, yeah, Newcastle, the st- what's the steel or coal capital yep. of Oz or something like that. Yeah. Quite a rough and tough apparently area. We felt quite uh, safe. I think it used to be. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a bit gentrified now, yeah, but it's exactly. lovely. Actually, a lovely city. Very, oh, really very cool. And yeah, we got to stop at the radio, ABC Radio. There's Jacinda. It has to be. Um, and yeah, we went to the ABC Radio, had an interview there, and then we met up with the Herald. Is it the Herald? Newcastle Herald? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. For a news uh, article input. And yeah, we had Sam, Sam Roberts, I kind of guiding us around and uh one of my well one of my aunts yeah mingi victoria her good friend tracy uh, reached out and offered her physiotherapy services so it was actually quite a busy day uh, like it's like fine samwise yeah. radio newspaper physio and then we ended up at samwise's mom's house she hosted us for the evening in uh, toronto newcastle uh we had a relatively early night and we made our way to Woo Woo. Yeah, and just day. shout out to Tracy, actually, the physio, who, um, as you say, uh, went out of her way at the end of her work day to actually borrow another friend's studio, physio studio, um, to give me a bit of treatment. Um, we actually, honestly, made a big, it was very, very painful, but made a massive difference. So Did you get was, the needles? 
got a lot of dry needles, which actually is probably the one thing yeah. that does seem to be consistently help that the ITB. Help. So, um, yeah, and as I say, shout out to again Sam's mom. Who obviously, you're friends with him, but uh, she's never met either of us and moved. We out actually, of our never own even house. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even meet her because <laughs> she moved in with her sister, friend or sister. Yeah. So yeah, well, we had a nice time then, and yeah, we made our way to Woo Woo. Um, my friend Harriet's also from the camps. She drove nine hours from inland uh, New South Wales to come and meet and be part of the journey. She'd yeah, never, first, yeah. she'd never ever ridden a bicycle more than two hundred meters. She was about to join us from Woo into Sydney uh, for our final day into Sydney. But we stayed at, at her uncle's house, which was just incredible. Oh, my goodness. No, Woi Woi, I think is how you actually want to pronounce it. Yeah. Woi Woi Bay. Um, and honestly, we're talking about just now about waterfront properties. Um, but Stuart has, uh, he bought it a long time ago. I think he said 10 or 11 years ago. It was a sort of weekend, a uh, place to get away out of town. He says he lives in a small place in the city and he needed a bit of space over the weekends. Uh, but now with COVID, as a practicing lawyer, he's kind of works from home now, works from this lake. And I mean, if anybody, if anybody has their life sorted in inverted commas, yeah. um, it's Stuart. He's so sitting there um, overlooking the Woi Woi Bay um, in the most amazing little little house on, on the coast there and uh, really, really idyllic. And again, um, you know, three complete strangers and his, and his niece moving yeah. in for the night and uh, putting us up very graciously and Made us cooking dinner. us a nice roast meal yeah. and... Uh, very interesting guy. Very interesting guy. What a legend. It was tough getting in there. Very steep hill in and then a very steep hill out. Mm. And we left early in the morning because we needed to catch a ferry from Etalong. And um, the uncontrollable happened. The New South Wales spring weather really showed its uh, full mercy where we... Opposite of mercy. Yeah, <laughs> opposite of... Teeth. Yeah. Um, sorry, yeah, opposite of mercy. Um, and yeah, the ferry got cancelled. Uh, we found out in the morning like this yeah, we go. so I think just to give it a context we'd been planning this final day in we wanted some friends to join us for the final day into Sydney um, this was our final day in Australia so it was a very significant day um, and yeah there's this, there's this twice a day ferry that runs from Etalong to Palm Beach um, and some friends of mine were going to meet us in Palm Beach for the final for the 40 k's in um, but on the Etalong side um, your Holly and her mates were going to come and uh, were going to come and join us and um they're machine cyclists. Holly's done the race across America. Um, and we thought, oh, they were going to come ride us. And then it was a bit ominous when they arrived in their car with no signs of any bicycles. Uh, bought us coffee and then said, guys, you better check the, <laughs> the ferry schedule. schedule. Uh, so luckily we had them there. So we managed to find a, an alternative option, which meant another sort of 20 k's of riding. Uh, to Steep the, climbs to Patonga. Yeah, to Patonga, um, which, which would ultimately give us an option to get a ferry to Palm Beach, but would mean that we'd arrive there two hours late. Um, and Nick and PJ and my mate Dave, we were when we got to cross the ferry. There had been sitting there for two hours, absolutely freezing. <laughs> no yeah, we were also freezing. We got soaked from Etalong into Patonga, and then you're like on this ferry, completely wet. And then yeah, we started the cycle into Sydney, and it's one of those things when you go into a city, whatever plans you have, you got to realize there's a lot of stop starting, uh, traffic lights, traffic itself. Um, narrow, like narrow shoulders that slow you down mm -hmm. in your average speed, yeah. and uh, it was raining, pissing with rain the whole day. So, mm -hmm. our ride into Sydney was actually quite adventurous and hard. Like I kept looking at Harriet, her first ever cycle, more well, than two hundred meters. Uh, that is probably one of the most inspiring bits of cycling we've experienced. This was this was day one hundred and seventy four. Yeah, and Harriet's lack of complaining the smile that she kept on her face yeah she she <laughs> made determination it determination to cycle every inch uh, really was remarkable <laughs> yeah and then we eventually we got to the sydney harbour bridge which we've crossed a lot of bridges yeah. uh physical bridges and uh this one must be up there you know like literally one of the most famous bridges in the world in the world and, yeah. and and when you cycle from where we were coming you cycle on the right hand side um what you don't what do you kind of look out to on the right? Uh, well, you look Darling out to Darling Harbour, yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, we cruised down into Nelson, some Lord Nelson Breweries, yeah, in the and, rocks. Yeah, we met up with a lot of the child fund people that were waiting for us there, and uh, it, it, yeah, kind of surreal, like ended off this crazy journey across Australia from the outback to the coasts of Queensland and New South Wales, and it's like. Like doesn't really yeah. hit you until it hits you. Yeah, we started in Darwin. Uh, we arrived in Darwin on the 11th of July. I started cycling on the 13th of July. And on the 3rd of September, 
we still arrived in Sydney. Yeah. So from the Northern Territory, dry, um, you know, sort of deserty conditions to pouring rain coming into Sydney, one of the great cities of the world. Um, we spent a lot of time in Northern Territory, a lot of time in Queensland, a lot of time in New South Wales, probably covered about 4,000 Ks, three and a half, 4,000 Ks in Australia. And, you know, I think we will remember, again, we say this for almost every country, but just Darwin to Townsville, down to Sydney, that in itself is a lifetime adventure. It's unbelievable. Um, and water, you know, and the people of Australia and the diversity of, of terrain, the diversity of absolutely everything, just, it really was, you know, as you say, really, really surreal to actually have eventually reached Sydney on the day that we hoped. Um, and, you know, having some friends and family and uh, friends of friends and, and child fun people meet us there was pretty cool. Yeah, and we had five days off. Uh, yeah, we arrived on a Saturday and just in time to watch South Africa play the Wallabies at the new Allianz Stadium, which yeah. has been rebuilt. First international sporting event. Um, shout out to Annie Marinos and the team at Rugby Australia for hooking us up with uh, very fancy tickets in the lounge there. <laughs> so after yeah, a bit of a lunch and a shower and drying up, made our way across the stadium and uh, what an evening it was for South Africans. It was the first time I'd ever watched South Africa play outside of South Africa. Kind of felt a bit weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I guess I realized, I think South African supporters are actually a bit of hooligans. <laughs> it was a quite civilized there, you know, like everyone just had their scarves and fancy clothes. Um, but it was good for us because we pumped them. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing stadium. Uh, obviously, so much excitement for, for Rugby Australia. This is going to be their new fortress. Yeah. And South Africa has a terrible record in Australia uh, over the last 10 years for whatever reason. So it was nice to break that hoodoo. Um, and you know, felt like we were felt a little bit scarm, which a little bit um, almost awkward or embarrassed because we were obviously jumping out of our seats yeah. every time we scored, and we're sitting sort of with a lot, whole lot of Australian rugby sponsors who were not <laughs> who were not impressed with their team. Yeah, so exactly. we did stand out, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a you know, really wonderful way to, to arrive in Sydney. Yeah, and so we had a, we have a lot of friends and family. I actually like didn't realize how many friends and family and that that we have. So we spent the week running around. Bondi Beach, Manly, uh, Sydney Opera House, back and forth here and there, just meeting up with everyone. Um, and I, I want to like bring up like the call it the dark side of adventures. Sometimes you expect, so you imagine you're picturing Sydney, and I, I've pictured Sydney, this great place from the film Finding Nemo and whatever. <laughs> and you're always scared when you get there that it's not up to expectations, but it really is. It's a phenomenal city, um, and so it was really cool. You you try and like fit in as many things as you possibly can. I caught up with some old friends from, again, 2016 that I hadn't seen. My mom's best friend, uh, old boss, uh, an uncle, uh, that brother Garth, uh, to Greg from Rockhampton, Hampton, which yeah. we also hung out with. It just, yeah, and then you yourself, it was, we hung out with Cam Sinclair. Uh, we, yeah, a lot of old school and university and rugby friends. It was really, really awesome, eh? Yeah, so again, like Fiji, thought we were going to relax for five days. It was full pace. Yeah. Um, but and also great. preparing for the main show, which was the, which was the Friday. So to answer your other question, now that yeah, we were actually there for exactly a week. Yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, we arrived on a Saturday, and then the following Friday, after, as you say, after this week of, of running around, I was still trying to shake this cold. And again, this is an event that we've been, I've been absolutely throwing every single vitamins and immune boosting this and immune boosting that. And, um, Dave Champion and Karen, shout out to them, who Dave was so incredibly helpful with some of our logistics and packing and repacking parcels and sending them ahead for us. Um, had lunch at their house and uh, Karen, um, being the mother of three teenagers, I guess has had a lot of colds and flus in the family, <laughs> looking after those sort of sniffles. So she just um, you know, threw a whole lot of drugs at the problem and pretty much worked, eh? Uh, so come Friday, um, went down to, um, oh, I've just suddenly missed it. It was going to be at the RV, it was at the establishment. So a nice famous institution, bar, restaurant, function room uh, in a hotel in the middle of the city. Um, and it was a child fund rugby, effectively their first fundraiser they've had since COVID, the first time they've all got together. Child fund period, not even child fund rugby. Yeah. I think they were very excited. They were excited. Yeah. They probably are still buzzing. You know, we had Sean Maloney and uh, Andy Mertens there. We met them at Stan Sports yeah. between two posts during the week. We had other child fund ambassador, Annabelle Williams and... Um, Christine Clark, who's Emily, a yeah, Emily women's Chancellor. ambassador for Australia. So it was a lot of celebrities, including Ron and, uh, and myself. <laughs> We're going to start claiming it now. And yeah, we got to raise some money. We're actually still waiting on their final audits of all of that. Actually, yeah. And um, it was, yeah, I'm not used to, well, I guess I used to be more the guy serving the drinks than receiving <laughs> them. So yeah. it's like one of those cool 
momentous occasions where it's a tick box like I've been yeah, to a fundraiser. 150, 150 people, long lunch, everybody taking their Friday afternoon off. Um, and as I say a lot of um, previous supporters of Child Fund, but also some new supporters that have come through different channels. And um, yeah, as I say it was a, it was pretty inspiring to see you know, a lot of people being introduced to the program for the first time, but then still putting their hands in their pockets to donate. Yeah. Um, so, and Child Fund, you know, they had a lot of different activations there, whether it was raffle tickets, whether it was sponsoring Silent a motorbike or sponsoring a particular team. So they gave people a lot of opportunity, a lot of options to get involved. And um, even for us, you know, we think we get to know the program well. It was quite interesting to hear other people speaking about different aspects of Child Fund as well. So um, I think for us, it's, well, personally, just speaking for myself, and I, I think you feel the same, just a great, just kind of reinforce that we're we, we're doing this for a good cause. We're doing this for a good reason, um, and the, the quality of people that are sort of work behind the scenes at Child Fund to make this stuff happen. Um, and we, we we didn't even talk about it, but during the, one of our one of our sort of commitments during the week was to actually go into the Child Fund office and sort of to share our story with their whole greater team. A lot of people don't even work on Child Fund rugby, um, and to be honest, they sat there mesmerized with yeah. stories, and um, I think it really made an impression. So um, hopefully. And we look back at this Race Derby World Cup 2021 and we could hold, hold our heads high that we did everything we could to raise as much awareness and funds for child fund rugby and also remind ourselves that it's all been, you know, it's all been worth it. Eh? Yeah, and it's hard work. Eh? The whole world needs to realize the back end of COVID, full inflation, potential wars up in Eastern Europe. And there's just like a lot of doom and gloom at the moment and people are suffering, but there's still a lot of good people out there putting all their energy and efforts into making these NGOs stay afloat and programs survive. So yeah, thank you. Cause you know, the, as soon as you become despondent, then that's where it fails. And you know, for the last three years, Chris has kept the, the program buzzing and alive and the energy high. So yeah, it was good to see people dig into their pockets that, and take whatever spare money that they've, have at the moment to to contribute to a great cause yeah so if you haven't yet had a chance to make a donation and you feel like you want to racetorebywoldcup.com uh, is the place to do that and uh, we obviously appreciate all the donations that come through come through that platform it's been tough going and um, this whole dream of selling all sixteen and a half thousand kilometers hasn't quite come to materialize but uh, we're plugging away and we found these other channels like these ticks donate which you're doing in new zealand um, that fundraising dinner i know we've got an event tomorrow night and this will all be all talk about this um, when we when we do our wrap up podcasts, um, well, we've got two more podcasts to come, which will include the two different legs of New Zealand. But um, yeah, please do go to racetrackworldcup.com. Uh, and we've said it before that money makes an enormous difference. Incredible people, um, and we do appreciate all the support. So yeah, we've been cycling from Invercargill to Wellington. We'll give you an update on that in the next with a episode. surprise guest as well. With a surprise guest. One of our most famous and decorated rugby players of the podcast, <laughs> Alex. Twenty-five <Valley>. cap international. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, very excited. But yeah, we'll catch you next week, or yeah, I guess next week if you listen to this weekly. Yeah. And uh, very, very, very excited to get into Auckland. Uh, yeah, we've got less than well, we're sitting here on the twenty-sixth. Um, 12 days to Rugby World Cup 2021 kicks off. It's actually super exciting to see how much excitement there is as we make our way through New Zealand for the World Cup. So I think it's going to be an absolute blockbuster of a tournament. We're actually, I'm still pinching myself to believe that we're actually going to be involved in the um, the kickoff, well, the, the, the whistle toss, uh, the coin toss and the whistle handover on the 8th of October. And it's pretty surreal that it's of a 209 day journey. There's just 12 days left. So we're going to make the most of it. Um, and hopefully, well, we can already tell you we've got some great stories from the first leg of New Zealand and um, no, undoubtedly there'll be some from the second leg as well. So thanks very much. Adios. <laughs>